irreverent, entertaining, cool. You're listening to LA Talk Radio. You can support Sapphire Planet by visiting the online store at sapphireplanet.com. Welcome. Your journey is just beginning. Entering the Sapphire Planet. You are now in the Sapphire Planet. Tutankhamun was an Egyptian pharaoh of the 18th dynasty. He ruled approximately 1332 to 1323 B.C., during the period of Egyptian history known as the New Kingdom. He is referred to as King Tut. His original name, Tutankhamun, means living, living image of Aten, while Tutankhamun means living image of Amun. In hieroglyphics, the name Tutankhamun was typically written Amentut Ankh because of the scribal custom that placed a divine name at the beginning of a phrase to show appropriate reverence. He is possibly also the Nibiruria of the Amrana letters, and likely he is also the 18th dynasty king Rathtos, who according to Mantho, an ancient historian, had reigned for nine years. In 1922, the discovery by Howard Carter and George Herbert, who was the fifth Earl of Carnarvon, of King Tutankhamun's nearly intact tomb, received worldwide press coverage. It sparked renewed public interest in ancient Egypt, for which Tutankhamun's burial mask, now in the Cairo Museum, remains the popular symbol. Exhibits of artifacts from the tomb have toured the world. In February 2010, the results of DNA tests confirmed that he was the son of Akhenaten, 
the Mummy KV-55, and Akhenaten's sister and wife, Mummy KV-35YL, whose name is unknown, but whose remains are positively identified as the younger lady, mummy found in KV-35. The mysterious deaths of those who excavated Tutankhamun's tomb was termed as the curse of the pharaohs. Tutankhamun was the son of Akhenaten, formerly Amenhotep IV, and one of Akhenaten's sisters, or perhaps one of his cousins. As a prince, he was known as Tutankhaten. He ascended into the throne in 1333 BC, at the age of nine or ten, taking the throne name Nebuchadnezzar. His wet nurse was a woman called Maya, known from her tomb at Saqqara. His teacher was most likely Senegen. When he became king, he married his half-sister, Anka Sepatan, who later changed her name to Anka Hesa Naman. They had two daughters, both stillborn. Computer tomography studies released in 2011 reveal that one daughter died at five to six months of pregnancy and the other at nine months of pregnancy. No evidence was found in either mummy of congenital anomalies or an apparent cause of death. Given his age, the king probably had very powerful advisors presumably including General Horemheb and the Vizier A. Horemheb records that the king appointed him Lord of the Land as hereditary prince to maintain law. He also noted his ability to calm the young king when his temper flared. In his third regional year, Tutankhamun reversed several changes made during his father's reign. He ended the worship of the god Aten and restored the god Amun to his supremacy. The ban of the cult of Amun was lifted and traditional privileges were restored to its priesthood. The capital was moved back to Thebes and the city of Akhenaten abandoned. This is when he changed his name to Tutankhamun, living image of Amun, reinforcing the restoration of the god Amun. As part of the restoration, the king initiated building projects, in particular at Karnak in Thebes, where he dedicated a temple to Amun. Many monuments were erected, and an inscription on his tomb door declares the king had spent his life in fashioning the images of God. The traditional festivals were now celebrated again, including those related to the Apis Bull, Hor Maket, and Opet. 
Tutankhamun's restoration, Stella says, the temples of the gods and goddesses were in ruins. Their shrines were desert. Their shrines were deserted and overgrown. Their sanctuaries are as non-existent as the courts were used as roads. The gods had turned their backs upon this land. If anyone made a prayer to a god for advice, that god would never respond. The country was economically weak in the turmoil following the reign of Akhenaten. Diplomatic relations with other kingdoms had been neglected, and Tutankhamun sought to restore them, in particular with the Mitiani. Evidence of his success suggested by the gifts from various countries found in his tomb. Despite his efforts for improved relations, battle with the Nubians and Asiatics were recorded in his mortuary temple at Thebes. His tomb contained body armor and folding stools appropriate for military campaigns. However, given his youth and physical disabilities, which seemed to require the use of a cane in order to walk, don't forget he died at age 19. Historians speculate that he did not personally take place in any of these battles. Tutankhamun was of slight of build and roughly 180 centimeters tall, which corresponds to about 5 foot 11. He had large front incisors and the overbite characteristics of the Thutmoseoid royal line to which he belonged. Between September 2007 and October 2009, various mummies were subjected to detailed anthropological, radiological, and genetic studies as part of the King Tutankhamun family project. That research had also showed that Tutankhamun had a slight cleft palate and possibly a mild case of scoliosis, a medical condition in which the spine is curved from the side to side. Examinations of Tutankhamun's body has revealed previous unknown deformations in the king's left foot caused by necrosis of bone tissue. The painful affliction forced Tutankhamun to walk with the use of a cane, many of which were found in his tomb. However, it would not have been a life-threatening affliction. In DNA's test of Tutankhamun's mummy, scientists found DNA from the mosquito-borne parasite that caused malaria tropica, the most virulent and deadly form of the disease, in the pharaoh's body. This, by the way, is currently the oldest known genetic proof of the disease. Interestingly, more than one strain of the malaria parasite was found, indicating that Tutankhamun caught multiple malarial infections during his lifetime. The malaria would have weakened Tutankhamun's immune system and interfered with the healing of his foot. These factors combined with the fracture in his left thigh bone, which scientists had discovered in 2005, may have ultimately been what killed the young king. In 2008, a team began DNA research 
on Tutankhamun and the mummified remains of other members of his family. The results from the DNA samples finally put to rest questions about Tutankhamun's lineage, proving that his father was Akhenaten, but that his mother was not one of Akhenaten's known wives. His mother was one of his father's five sisters, although it is not known which one. The team was able to establish, with a probability of better than 99.99%, that Amenhotep III was the father of the individual in KV55, who was in turn the father of Tutankhamun. The young king's mother was found through the DNA testing of a mummy designated as the Younger Lady, also known as KV35YL, which was found lying beside Queen Tai in the alcove of KV35. Her DNA proved that, like his father, father she was a child of Amenhotep III and Tai. Thus, Tutankhamun's parents were brother and sister. Queen Tai held much political influence at court and acted as an advisor to her son after the death of her husband. Some geneticists disputed these findings and complained that the team used inappropriate analysis techniques. While the data is still incomplete, the study suggested that one of the mummified fetuses found in Tukantaman's tomb is the daughter of Tukankhamun himself, and the other fetus is probably his child as well. So far, only partial data for the two female mummies from KV-21 has been obtained. One of them, KV-21A, may well be the infant's mother and thus Tukankhamun's wife, Anka Senanaman. It is known from history that she was the daughter of Akhenaten and Nefertiti, and thus likely to be her husband's half-sister. One consequence of inbreeding can be children, those whose genetic defects do not allow them to be brought to term. A further autopsy in genetic evidence in 2014 reconfirmed the 2010 finding that Tutankhamun was the product of a brother-sister relationship. Now on to his death. There are no surviving records of Tutankhamun's final days. What caused Tutankhamun's death has been the subject of considerable debate. Major studies have been conducted in an effort to establish the cause of death. There is some evidence that burial may have been hurried. There has been reports that dark brown splotches on the decorated walls of Tutankhamun's burial chamber suggested that he had been entombed even before the paint had a chance to dry. Although there is some speculation that Tutankhamun was assassinated, 
The consensus is that this death was accidental. A CT scan taken in 2005 showed that he had suffered a left leg fracture shortly before his death and that the leg had become infected. DNA analysis conducted in 2010 showed the presence of malaria in his system, leading to the belief that the malaria and Kohler disease, too, combined led to his death. On September 14, 2012, ABC News presented further theory about Tutankhamun's death, developed by lecturer and researchers who believe that temporal lobe epilepsy caused a fatal fall, which also broke Tutankhamun's leg. In June 2010, German scientists said they believe there was evidence that he died of sickle cell disease. Other experts, however, rejected the hypothesis of homogenous sickle cell disease based on the survival beyond the age of five and the location of the osteonecrosis, which is characteristic of Freiberg-Kohler syndrome rather than sickle cell disease. Research conducted in 2005 by archaeologists, radiologists, and geneticists who performed CT scans on the mummy found that he was not killed by a blow to the head as previously thought. New CT images discovered congenital flaws, which are more common among children of incest. Siblings are more likely to pass on twin copies of harmful genes, which is why children of incest more commonly manifest genetic defects. It is also suspected that he had also a partially cleft palate, another congenital defect. Various other diseases invoked possible explanations in his early demise, including Marfan syndrome, Wilson-Turner X-Link syndrome, Froelich syndrome, Kleinfelter syndrome, androgen androgen insensitive syndrome, Oromanmasti excessive syndrome in conjunction with sagittal craniosynostis syndrome, Antil Bixler syndrome, or one of its variants, and temporal lobe epilepsy. A research team consisting of Egyptian scientists at the National Research Center in Cairo conducted further CT scans under directions of the head researchers at the Facility of Medicine at Cairo University. Three international experts served as consultants. STR analysis based on DNA fingerprinting analysis combined with the other techniques have rejected the hypothesis of gynomastia and craniosynosis or Marfan syndrome but an accumulation of malformations in Tukaman's family was evident. Several pathologies, including Kohler disease, too, 
were diagnosed in Tutankhamun. None alone would have caused his death. Genetic testing for Stevor AMA1 or MSP1 genetic specifies revealed indications of malaria tropica in four mummies, including Tutankhamun's. However, their exact contribution to the causality of his death is still highly debated. The team discovered DNA from several strains of the parasite, proving that he was affected with the most severe strain of malaria several times in his short life. Malaria can trigger circulatory shock or cause a fatal immune response in the body, either of which could lead to death. If Tutankhamun did suffer from a bone disease, which was crippling, it may not have been fatal. Perhaps he struggled against other congenital flaws until a severe bout of malaria or a leg broken in an accident added one strain too many to his body that he could not carry the load. A review of the medical findings to date found that he suffered from mild kyphoscleosis, pest planus, hypophalangianism of the right foot, bone necrosis of the second and third metatarsal bones of the left foot, malaria, and complex fractures of the right knee shortly before death. In late 2013, Egyptologists and scientists from the Cranefield Institute performed a virtual autopsy of Tutankhamun, revealing a pattern of injuries down one side of his body. Car crash investigators then created computer simulations of chariot accidents. It was concluded that Tutankhamun was killed in a chariot crash, a chariot smashed into him while he was on his knees, shattering his ribs and pelvis. It is also referred to that the body having been burnt. Working with anthropologists and forensic archaeologists, they produced evidence that Tutankhamun's body was burnt while sealed inside his coffin. Embalming oils combined with oxygen and linen had caused a chemical reaction, creating temperatures of more than 200 degrees Celsius. The charring and possibility that a botched mummification led to the body spontaneously combusting shortly after burial, and this was entirely unexpected. Further investigations in 2014 revealed that it was unlikely that he had been killed in a chariot accident. Scans found that all but one of his bone fractures, including those to his skull, had been inflicted after his death. The scan also showed that he had a partially clubbed foot and would have been unable to stand unaided, thus making it unlikely he ever rode a chariot. This was supported by the presence of many walking sticks among the contents of his tomb. Instead, it is believed that genetic defects arising from his parents being siblings, complications from a broken leg, 
and his suffering from malaria together caused his death. While the death of Tutankhamun and his two stillborn children buried with him, the Tutsmasoid family line came to an end. The Amarna letters indicated that Tutankhamun's wife, who was recently widowed, wrote to the Hittite king Sipololima I, asking if she could marry one of his sons. The letters do not say how Tutankhamun died. In the message, Tutankhamun's wife, Anka Hesenesimum, said that she was afraid but would not take one of her own people as husband. However, the son was killed before reaching his new wife. Shortly afterwards, A married Tutankhamun's widow and became pharaoh as a war was fought between the two countries and Egypt was left defeated. The fate of Aken Senuman is not known, but she disappears from record, and A's second wife, Te, became great royal wife. After A's death, Horemheb usurped the throne and instigated a campaign of damnatio memoria against him. Tutankhamun's father, Akhenaten, stepmother Nefertifi, his wife, Ankehesenem, half-sisters, and other family members were also included. Not even Tutankhamun was spared. His images and cartouches were also erased. Horemheb himself, despite a possible marriage to Nefertifi's sister, Muntenjidimet, was left childless and willed the throne to Meramisu, who founded the Ramseed family line of pharaohs. Tutankhamun was nine years old when he became pharaoh, son of god Ra, and reigned for approximately ten years. In historical terms, Tutankhamun's significance stemmed from the fact that his reign was close to the apogee of Egypt as a world power and from his rejection of the radical religious innovations introduced by his predecessor and father, Akhenaten. Secondly, his tomb in the Valley of the Kings was discovered by Carter almost completely intact the most complete ancient Egyptian royal tomb ever found. As Tutankhamun began his reign at such an early age, his vizier and eventual successor, A, was probably making most of important political decisions during Tutankhamun's reign. Kings were venerated after death through mortuary cults and associated temples. Tutankhamun is one of the few kings worshipped in this manner during his lifetime. 
a stella discovered at Karnak and dedicated to Amun-Ra and Tutankhamun indicates that the king could have been appealed to in his deified state for forgiveness and to free the petitioners from an ailment caused by sin. Temples of his cult were built as far away as Kawa and Ferris and Nubia. The title of the sister of Viceroy of Kush included a reference to the deified king, indicative of the universality of his cult. Now on to Tutankhamun's tomb. Tutankhamun was buried in a tomb that was unusually small considering his status. His death may have occurred unexpectedly, before the completion of a grander royal tomb, so that his mummy was buried in a tomb intended for someone else. This would preserve the observance of the customary 70 days between death and burial. King Tut's Tutankhamun's mummy still rests in the tomb of the Valley of the Kings. On November 4, 2007, 85 years to the day after Carter's discovery, the 19-year-old pharaoh went on display in his underground tomb at Luxor. When the linen-wrapped mummy was removed from its golden sarcophagus to a climate-controlled glass box, the case was designed to prevent the heightened rate of decomposition caused by the humidity and warmth from tourists visiting the tomb. King Tutankhamun's tomb was robbed at least twice in antiquity, but based on the items taken, including perishable oils and perfumes, and the evidence of restoration of the tomb after the intrusions, it seems clear that these robberies took place within several months at most of the initial burial. Eventually, the location of the tomb was lost because it had come to be burned by stone ships from subsequent tombs, either dumped there or washed there by floods. In the years that followed, some huts for workers were built over the tomb entrance, clearly without anyone knowing what lay beneath. When, at the end of the 20th dynasty of the Valley of the Kings, burial sites were systematically dismantled, Tutankhamun's tomb was overlooked presumably because knowledge of it had been lost and his name may have been forgotten. For many years, rumors of a curse of the pharaohs, probably fueled by newspapers seeking sales at the time of the discovery, persisted, emphasizing the early death of some of those who had entered the tomb. However, a recent study of journals and death records indicate no statistical difference between the age and death of those who entered the tomb and those of the expedition that did not. If Tutankhamun is the world's best-known pharaoh, it is largely because his tomb is among the best preserved and his image and associate artifacts are most exhibited. 
Tutankhamun is known as the pharaoh who in life was one of the least esteemed of Egypt's pharaohs and has become in death one of its most renowned. The discoveries in the tomb were prominent news in the 1920s. Tutankhamun came to be called by his modern name, King Tut. Ancient Egyptians' references became common in popular, popular culture, including Tin Pan Alley songs. The most popular of the latter was Old King Tut by Harry Von Tisler from 1923 which was recorded by such prominent artists of the time as Jones and Hare and Sophie Tucker. King Tut became the name of products, businesses, and even the pet dog, Hubert Hoover. Relics from Tutankhamun's tomb are among the most traveled artifacts in the world. They have been to many countries, but... Probably the best-known exhibition tour was the Treasures of Tutankhamun Tour, which ran from 1972 to 1979. This exhibition was first shown in London at the British Museum from March 30th until September 30th, 1972. More than 1.6 million visitors saw the exhibition, some queuing up for up to eight hours. It was the most popular exhibition in the museum's history. The exhibition moved on to many other countries, including the United States, the Soviet Union, Japan, France, Canada, and West Germany. The Metropolitan Museum of Art organized the U.S. exhibition, which ran from November 17, 1976, to April 15, 1979, more than 8 million people attended. In 2004, the tour of Tutankhamun's funerary objects entitled Tutankhamun, the Golden Hereafter, consisting of 50 artifacts from Tutankhamun's tomb and 70 funerary goods from the 18th Dynasty tomb began in Basel, Switzerland, and went on to Bonn, Germany, on the second leg of the tour. This European tour was organized by the Art and Exhibition Hall of the Federal Republic of Germany, the Supreme Council of Antiquities, and the Egyptian Museum, in cooperation with the Museum, Basel, and Semlung Ludwig, In 2005, Egypt's Supreme Council of Antiquities in partnerships with Art and Exhibitions International and the National Geographic Society launched a tour of Tutankhamun's treasure and other 18th Dynasty funerary objects, this time called Tutankhamun and the Golden Age of the Pharaohs. It featured the same exhibits as Tutankhamun, the Golden Hereafter, in a slightly different format it was expected to draw more than 3 million people. The exhibit started in Los Angeles, then it moved to Fort Lauderdale, Florida, Chicago, and Philadelphia. The exhibition then moved to London before finally returning to Egypt in August 2008. 
An encore of the exhibit in the United States ran at the Dallas Museum of Art from October 2008 to May 2009. The tour continued to other U.S. cities. After Dallas, the exhibition moved to the de Young Museum in San Francisco, followed by the Discovery Times Square Exposition in New York City. In 2011, the exhibition visited Australia for the first time, opening at the Melbourne Museum in April for its only Australian stop, before Egypt's treasures returned to Cairo in December 2011. The exhibition, including 80 exhibits from the reigns of Tutankhamun's immediate predecessors in the 18th dynasty, such as Hatshepsut's, whose trade policies greatly increased the wealth of that dynasty and enabled the lavish wealth of Tutankhamun's Bera artifacts, as well as 50 from Tutankhamun's tomb. The exhibition does not include the gold mask that was a feature of the 1972-79 world tour, as the Egyptian government has determined that the mask is now too fragile to withstand travel and will never again leave the country of Egypt. The Curse of the Pharaohs refers to an alleged curse believed by some to be cast upon any person who disturbs the mummy of an ancient Egyptian person, especially a pharaoh. This curse, which does not differentiate between thieves and archaeologists, allegedly can cause bad luck, illness, or even death. Since the mid-20th century, many authors and documentarians have argued that the curse is real in the sense of being caused by scientifically explicable causes such as bacteria or radiation. However, the modern origins of Egyptian mummy curse tales, their development primarily in European cultures, the shift from magic to science to explain curses, and their changing uses, from condemning disturbances of the dead to entertaining horror film audience, suggest that the Egyptian curses are primarily a cultural and not exclusively scientific phenomenon. There are occasionally instances of genuine ancient curses appearing inside or on the facade of a tomb, as in the case of the Mastaba of Kentika Akeheki of the 6th dynasty at Saqqara. These appear to be directed towards the Ka priests to protect the tomb carefully and preserve its ritual purity, rather than as a warning for potential robbers. There had been stories of curses going back to the 19th century, but they multiplied after Howard Carter's discovery of the tomb of Tutankhamun. Despite popular misconception, no curse was actually found inscribed in the pharaoh's tomb. The evidence for curses relating to the King Tutankhamun is considered to be so meager that it was 
viewed as untrue. The curse of the pharaohs refers to an alleged curse believed by some to be cast upon any person who disturbs the mummy of an ancient Egyptian person, especially a pharaoh. This curse, which does not differentiate between thieves and archaeologists, allegedly can cause bad luck, illness, or death. Since the mid-20th century, many authors and documentaries have argued the curse is real. There are occasional instances of genuine ancient curses appearing inside or on the facade of a tomb, as in the case of the Mastaba of the Kent Ikeha on the 6th dynasty of Saqqara. But much of it in modern times considers the curse not to be true. Curses relating to tombs are extremely rare, rare, possibly because the idea of such desecration was unthinkable and even dangerous to record in writing. The most frequent occur in private tombs of the Old Kingdom era. The tomb of Anakatifi in the 9th to 10th dynasty contains this warning. Any ruler who shall do evil or wickedness to this coffin may Heman, who was a local deity at the time, not accept any goods he offers, and may his heir not inherit. The tomb of Kinnikia Ikihaki, 9th to 10th dynasty, contains the inscription, As for all men who shall enter this, my tomb, impure, there will be judgment. An end shall be made for him. I shall seize his neck like a bird. I shall cast the fear of myself into him. That's quite a curse. Curses of the Old Kingdom era are less common, though more severe, sometimes invoking the ire of Toth or the destruction of Sekhemet. Another curse is said to have said, Cursed be those who disturb the rest of a pharaoh. They shall break the seal of this tomb, shall meet the death by a disease that no doctor can diagnose. Modern accounts of curses are slightly different. Hieroglyphics were not deciphered until the beginning of the 19th century by Jean Francis Champlion. So reports of curses prior to this are simply perceived as bad luck associated with handling of mummies or other artifacts from the tombs. In 1699, Louis Penisher wrote an account in which he recorded how a Polish traveler bought two mummies in Alexandria and embarked on a sea journey with the mummies in the cargo hold. The traveler was alarmed by the reoccurring visions of two specters, and the stormy seas did not abate until the mummies were thrown overboard. One young archaeologist excavating had at Kom Abu Balu 
had to transport a number of artifacts from Greco-Roman sites. His cousin died on that day. On its anniversary, his uncle died. And on the third anniversary of that day, his aunt died. Years later, when he excavated the tombs of the builders at the pyramids of Giza, he encountered the curse. All people who enter this tomb, who will make evil against this tomb and destroy it, may the crocodile be against them in water and snakes against them on land. May the hippopotamus be against them in water and the scorpion against them on land. Though not superstitious, the worker decided not to disturb the mummy. However, he was later involved in the removal of two child mummies from the Bahia Oasis to a museum and reported that he was haunted by the children in his dreams. The phenomena did not stop until the mummy of the father was reunited with the children in the museum. He came to the conclusion that mummies should not be displayed though it was a lesser evil than allowing the general public into the tombs. It is also recorded in Egypt that an incident of a sick young boy who loved ancient Egypt and was the subject of a miracle cure in the Egyptian museum, when he looked into the eyes of a mummy of King Amos I, Thereafter, the boy read everything he could find about ancient Egypt, especially the Hykos period. The idea of mummies reviving from the dead is an essential element of many mummy curse tales, was developed in The Mummy, or A Tale of 22nd Century, an early work combining science fiction and horror written by Jane C. Loudon and published anonymously in 1827. Louis May Alcott was thought by Dominic Mustarot to have been the first to use a fully formed mummy curse plot in her 1869 story, Lost in the Pyramid, or The Mummy's Curse. A here-though-forgotten piece of mummy fiction that has been rediscovered in the 1990s. However, two stories subsequently discovered by S.J. Wolfe, The Mummy's Soul, which was written anonymously in 1862, and 3,000 Years, written by Jane G. Austen in 1868, have similar plots in which a female mummy takes magical revenge upon her male desecrator. There it is therefore argued that modern European concept of curses is based upon analogy between desecration tombs, interpreting early curse fiction as um, fantasy. The belief in a curse has brought to many people's attention due to the sometimes materious death of a few members of Howard Carter's team and other prominent visitors to the tomb shortly thereafter. Carter's team opened the tomb of Tutankhamun at KV-62 in 1922, launching 
the modern era of Egyptology. The famous Egyptologist James Henry Breasted worked with Carter soon after the first opening of the tomb. He reported how Carter sent a messenger on an errand to his house. Upon approaching his home, the messenger thought he heard a faint, almost human cry. Upon reaching the entrance, he saw a birdcage occupied by a cobra, the symbol of Egyptian monarchy. Carter's canary had died in its mouth and fueled this local local rumors of a curse. Your journey is now ending. The Sapphire Planet. Goodbye from the Sapphire Planet. Own a piece of the planet. Now you can purchase Sapphire Planet merchandise online at sapphireplanet.com.